excited. We are here with a special Throwing Bagels podcast episode. So glad you could join us. Kevin Mooney here with you alongside Jason Amo. Hey, Jason. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? I'm great. Yourself? I'm doing very well. And uh, also Chris Douglas with us too. Hey, Chris. Hey, Kevin. And uh, joining us on this very special podcast, uh, as of a, let's say, three, four, five days, less than a week ago, we'll put it that way, less than a week from uh, the time you're hearing this, he became a national champion. And he is uh, the head coach of the SUNY Cortland football team. It's uh, uh, Coach Kurt Fitzpatrick. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm being introduced as a national champion has a nice ring to it. I don't know if I'll ever get uh, get get tired of hearing that. Yeah, I'm sure it never gets old. It's never going to get old. <laughs> right. <laughs> so as we're speaking, we're recording this on Monday evening. So you won the title, the Stag Bowl, three days ago. Um, what has the last few days been like for you? Oh, um, it's been a it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, especially when you play a night game like we did on Friday night. Um, so we got back to the hotel about 11, I would say, 11.30 midnight. And um, it was chaos in the hotel, as you can imagine, with a f- football team of, you know, we had 60 guys around dressed for the game. We bust down the whole rest of our teams. We had all 120 players in the hotel room at the same time after just winning the national title. Uh, wow. And coaches and administrators and everybody that were very excited. So that was a, that was a, uh, a fun night, just, just a, you know, a sleep, kind of a sleepless night, just high on life. And um, we, we got a, you know, a long bus ride back on Saturday morning. Um, and, uh, and then it's been just, just the, the outreach from the Cortland community and everyone in, in the local community, Syracuse area, you know, all, all, you know, the coaching fraternity from across the country, um, it's been it's been fun um, and fun and humbling and exciting for the future and all that stuff all wrapped into one. But it's been a uh, it's been a very, very fun ride. What did it mean to you and the players and how excited were you to come back to SUNY Portland campus as a national champion? It was outstanding. And we, we got a parade. Uh, Kevin, we probably went right by your house. Going, uh, <laughs> we got a, We got a, the buses got escorted by police and fire trucks. They met us at the exit. We had a. The buses got a police escort from the New York state line and Bingham down south of Binghamton all the way to uh, up 81 to, to, to the, to the Homer exit. And we got off the Homer exit and we're greeted by uh, police and fire trucks waiting there and stop traffic and get, gave us a, you know, siren sirens blaring parade all the way to campus fireworks. They had fireworks going off as the buses drove by and then probably two to 300 people waiting in front of our stadium as our buses pulled up. So it was, it was incredible. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was kind of, I was tearing up um, going through just, you know, it kind of hit home just um, how many people cared, cared about uh, and fought, were following along and cared about our success. And it was, uh, it was just a really cool feeling kind of brought it all together that, you know, uh, we we were kind of in the moment, just head down trying to win the game, but then to realize, how many people were pulling for us or how much it meant to them was just a, just a really special thing. Goosebumps right there, man. Holy cow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. It's like, I don't even even go to Cortland and you gave me goosebumps. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Coach, looking back, looking back at the stag bowl, right. It was basically 29 minutes of scoreless football for the most part in that first half. Um, when you were down at the half seven, three at the half, right. 
did you expect could you have even or could you have even thought about that offensive explosion from both teams in that second half the way it was well um the offenses were going to get going at some point scoring um both teams i think you know they were averaging 60 points a game i think we were just under 50 points a game average so and when you looked at the first half it was both teams moved the ball really well you know they were moving it down the field on us we just played really good in the red zone on defense and then we our first drive, we got a couple first downs, um, then had a miscue. But then our second drive, we were all the way down to the four-yard line and went for I chose to go for it on fourth down and missed it. And so, you know, both teams were moving, and then they went down and scored, and we moved it in two minutes to get a field goal right before the half. So I felt like it was just a matter of time. Like, people were – we were going to score back and forth. But the, the field goal for us right before half, to cut it to a 7-3 lead and kind of break the seal of the sc- on the scoring mm-hmm. – knowing that we were getting the ball first to start the third quarter. So it was kind of like a double dip. We got basically two possessions in a row, and then we were able to capitalize. That's what we talked in the locker room about. You know, we, we get the ball first to start the second half. Let's 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 capitalize on this drive and go in and, and, and score a touchdown and and go ahead in the game, a place that's North Central is not used to being behind. And so I, I felt like if we could jump ahead right there, that we could, we could have an advantage the, the rest of the way, knowing that we're used to playing in close games. And speaking of going for it on fourth down, is that in Division Three football in general? Is that a common thing that teams more so go for it on fourth down than 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 punt on depending on like down and distance? Obviously, um, I don't know. It's um, certain teams, yes. Yeah, certain teams, no. I know both of our teams, North Central and myself, and our and Cortland, um, their coach Brad Spencer, great coach. He's very aggressive with that sort of stuff, and so are, and so am I. So I, I, we like to go for it on fourth down. I think probably, you know, we have two of the best quarterbacks in the country were out there um, and two of the best offenses. So I feel like both teams probably had confidence that if it's fourth and manageable that that you can get it depending on the field position. So I know our team, we've been playing aggressive with fourth down conversions all year. We had a big one in in the Cortica Jug game. We we had a fourth and two with the lead in 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 the fourth quarter. And uh, from our own 35-yard line, somewhere like that, and we went for it and got it. Um, I just don't like the other team to get the ball back. You know, I, I <laughs> we've got an opportunity to score. I, I just like to to keep it. Um, and it, yeah, in the second half, we you saw teams go for it just because I, in the first half, you know, I, I they had a fourth and 17 in the first drive, and they went for it and missed it. Uh, you know, that one that's probably too far for me. You know that, and you in field goal range, you probably kick that one, but. If it's fourth and manageable, I think it's the analytics would say to go for it. And I think that that sort of new age football that kind of comes into it too. So North Central scores late to make it a 38-37 game. Were you surprised at their decision to go for two there? I was a little bit. Um I thought, you know, I thought they would have thought they had an advantage in overtime because of how they were off how they were running the ball and how their offense was playing. Um, they weren't stopping us either, but I just, you know, they were kind of easily move, moving through our defense at that point in the game. So I was, I was a little shocked, but happy. I was happy that they that they were going to go for it because I just felt like defensively, you know, we can make one play, we can we can make one play in a vacuum, but at that point it was hard for us to make three or four stops in a row. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm just gl- glad we we our defense made a, they made a great tremendous play to, to make that tackle. Yeah. Were you surprised and, it was a keeper? Oh, sorry, Cam. Were okay. you surprised it was a keeper versus, you know, 
their running their uh their tailback because he was he seemed to have been kind of busting through your line a, a you know a few times yeah he's a, he was a pretty big guy yeah yeah it was um I intentionally like called a late timeout right before the snap on that on the first two point conversion um strategy behind that being if you call a late timeout you can if they can snap the ball then you can kind of see what they were going to try to do mm-hmm. and they were going to try to run a sprint out to their right to the wide side of the field and try to get their best receiver number six D'Angelo Hardy who was having a had a monster fourth quarter um trying to get him in the in the front pylon um but we blew that dead because of the timeout call so you make them show their first play and then so I wanted to make them show their first play and then knowing that they probably wouldn't come out of the timeout running the same exact play so I wanted to make them go to their their second two-point play mm-hmm. um I thought they were going to run it or at least try to throw it to the running back. I felt like that was uh, – we obviously, you got to be ready for anything, and they tried to run run the queue, and we were all over it. How much of a challenge was it to play four out of five games on the road this season? That, it was a challenge. Yeah, it was, it was a challenge. Um, I think by the end of it, you know, I think our guys last week were tired of being on the bus, and, and you know, that's on me too. We <laughs> – we get we had the option to to fly. I think to our the first game we played at on the road at Endicott out in Beverly, Massachusetts, north of Boston, and we didn't have a choice. The, the rule the NCAA has if it's 500 miles or less, then you you take a bus. If it's more than 500 miles, then then you can charter a plane and fly. Um, mm. There's a lot of logistics that go into chartering a plane. A lot of stuff that makes it you know different for our players. So. When we, uh, in the third round, our second away game, we played Endicott on the road, Boston won. We played home the second round against Grove City and won. Third round, we went out to Alma College in Michigan, and we had the, we could have flown to that game. But I chose to bus because it was um, – I just didn't want to make it different for the players. Like, the, the bus is what we're used to, we're getting on the bus and going. Um, you know, looking back on it now, now, you know, having played after that two games in Virginia on back-to-back weeks that we bust to, it got a little long and it got a little long, a little, the guys were a little <laughs> agitated, but you know, those, to me, those are memories that they'll remember the rest of their lives being on the bus. Sure. You know, we could kind of bond around a, a road warrior mentality. Um, and the bus was familiar and I was just, and I don't know if it's superstition or just, I just didn't want to change their routine. You know, what's what's another hour or two on the bus. Um, the kids, they, the players, I call them kids, but they're, you know, they, um, they probably won't want to fly, mm-hmm. but you know, they don't realize what goes into flying either. You don't just show up at the airport and hop on a plane. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, <laughs> and, you know? So, you know, I felt like the bus was the best way to go and, um, it worked out. So, but yeah, it was tough. It was, it was difficult by the end just because the, the cumulative effect of being on the bus was by the by the fifth the fifth or the fourth away game in five weeks was a little mm-hmm. tough and it was the same as a cross-country drive right it was something like 30 over 3800 miles combined with all those chances so, yes it was yeah, yeah. our sid fran franalia yeah he has that all mapped out yes uh, i think it was like uh was it four of the five longest road trips in Cortland football history were taken during this postseason or something like that. Wow. Yeah. It worked out. I think it worked out. Okay. It all worked out. Those bus miles are they're uh, They're like nothing now. Yeah. It's hard to complain when you win the national championship about busing it. Right. Um, You have a pretty young team for the most part. I think only about 15 seniors on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you're losing a couple of big receivers in, in Cole Burgess and, and JJ Lapp. Um, but you do have your quarterback who's a junior is coming back. You do have um, your a receiver in, in Joe Deveo and, and Omari Kendrick coming back, you know, in a tight end. Um, do you look forward to next year and think, you know, that you might, you guys, you might be able to put on, put another run together or you're not even remotely thinking. I mean, obviously it's yeah. a few days later, but. I'm I'm very optimistic about next year. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't you know you never know what it's gonna it's gonna manifest into a, a deep run the NCAA tournament or not. Um, but lo- losing the receivers will 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 hurt us. Lap and Burgess, those guys are they're NFL prospects. I mean they're gonna be in a rookie mini camp. Somebody. Um, so th- those guys are hard to replace. You know you don't get you don't get NFL prospects. You know in a, in every year, but. I think we're going to – where we lose some speed and playmaking ability on the outside, I think we'll gain – our offensive line will all be back and better. I think we'll be better in other ways. So, you know, where one door closes and another one opens. Um, same thing on defense. We were relatively young. We do lose a couple seniors, but the core of those guys who played 15 games and won a national title are back on both sides of the ball. And so that experience is is just hard to you – know, you, you can't replicate that. So – I'm excited about next year's team. It'll it, we may d- be different, and maybe a d- little different formula, maybe more grounded pound on offense and pick our spots in the passing game. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out. But um, I think the 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 foundation will be very strong. We should have about 40 seniors next year. So we're wow. Wow. next year is like our as we went through COVID and kind of managing the roster through COVID. Next year's senior class is like two senior classes back to back. It's the the fall 2020 fr- freshman who never got to play because the season was canceled. And then the following year's freshman class who they've been traveling through the program all at the same time. So they're all, they're all s- seniors next year. So we got a lot of, a lot of experience. Going to get on that recruiting jail. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that, Winning and that national was, championship helps recruiting too. Yeah, yeah exactly. A little. And that was your, your first, you had been hired by Cortland as head coach, and we'll talk about this a little bit uh, uh, in in a few minutes, but um, you get hired February of 2020. You're hired as head coach, and then bang, all heck breaks loose. I mean, what yeah. what was I that? was on campus for three weeks. <laughs> yep, I was on campus. I got hired in, in February 13th, I think, of 2020 was my first day. Wow. And then three weeks later, um, we all got sent home, and it was it was done. And then from there, it was you know, I was feel like I was the Grim Reaper, just one. One Zoom call after another with the team, just giving them bad news after bad news. And, wow. uh, yeah, so it was a it was a challenging first year, but we made it through, and and, yeah. and here we are. So yeah, your quarterback Zach Boyce had a game, three forty nine in the air, one hundred thirty two on the ground. Is that something you expected out of him coming into the game? I mean, I, we typically don't place expectations specifically on numbers, but we knew I knew he was going to have to have a big game if we were going to win. The way that North Central plays run defense, you know, tr- our traditional running game wasn't going to be great, but I felt like we had some advantages in the passing game. So we were, I was ready to throw it 50 times if we had to in the, in, in the game. Cause Zach, Zach's our best player. I mean, he, I trust him so much. Um, so, you know, he's, and on big stages ever since, so we played Cortica, uh, our Cortica jug game in Yankee stadium in 2022. And, mm-hmm. Zach and I, I did not coach my best game and Zach did not play his best game. And from that moment on, he and I kind of bonded over that. And that was like our rallying cry that we were going to, you know, handle those, those big games better. And uh, we kind of did that all, all, all year long. And so I, I was confident going into the game that he was going to play, you know, he wasn't going to play it like a big game. He was going to play it like it was, it was, it was another game and he was going to just be able to play his best. 
and he de- he definitely did. I'm so proud of him. I mean, I've gotten so many messages about from people on Twitter, on you know, just texts from from colleagues of mine that you know just rave about Zach and how he played, and uh, to do it on ESPN, you know, that's just a it's a dream come true for him. You know, to to do that and show so many people how good of a player he is. You know, a year ago on Yes Network in Cortica Yankee Stadium, you know, mm-hmm. he he. It was hard, you know, being an athlete on that stage. I can't imagine what division one players go through, mm. you know, the kind of some of the some of the negativity that he got from that. Um, they kind of suck sometimes. So to see him get a redemption on this stage, an even bigger stage, much bigger stage. Uh, very, very proud of him. He he was incredible. Definitely proved some people, I guess, if you want to say prove some people wrong, you definitely proved some people wrong. But was that your was it your intention to um, have him run? kind of run a lot during that game or it was just kind of see whatever whatever unfolds during the during the play yeah we had some called runs for him that he, he we made a couple explosive runs on runs that were designed for him but a lot of that was just scrambling off of pass plays that were called you know where uh, no one was open or they got a little pressure and he's so quick in the pocket he's very he's very agile and he's got great vision so while he's looking down the field for the receivers he can feel them the, the defensive line pass rush and they tried to spy him some, but when you spy a quarterback as fast as Zach, your spy has to be able to run as fast as him. So if you try to spy him with an inside linebacker, typically that's not gonna gonna do it. And he he made them pay a couple of times for that. His stag bowl counterpart, Luke Lennon, was awarded the Gagliardi trophy for D three player of the year. Um, and he's also a junior, right? So he's coming back next year. Um, I know you may be biased in in this situation, but <laughs> do you think boys should have received more recognition for that, for that award. I think Luke, Luke Lennon d- deserves the award um, this year. I think he, he's, you look at his numbers throughout the season. He, he was out, uh, incredible. Um, you know, he, there was at one point during the year, I think he had more touchdown passes than incomplete passes. Um, it, it was crazy. Um, so I, I do think he, I do think he deserves, I think he's a very deserving winner of the award. That's like the D three Heisman. So, you know, I think he, he, he deserves it. Um, I think Zach should have been a finalist though. Uh, he was a semifinalist, one of 20 semifinalists for the award. He was not chosen as a finalist. I, I thought he, his numbers were good enough. They do that, all that voting before the finals, you know? So right. I, even before the semis, I think, you know, Zach, the last, the last three games are our quarterfinals win against Alma our semifinals win against, uh, Randolph Macon and the stag bowl against North central. I think Zach threw 13 touchdowns and no picks in those, in those three games. So, um, you know, no turnovers. Um, if they voted afterwards, I think he would have, uh, he probably would have won, but yeah. it is what it is. I, I don't want to take anything away from Luke. Cause I think he's a, he's an unbelievable player. So, mm-hmm. and, and very, and very deserving. We'll see what next year brings, I guess. <laughs> Coach, what what did it mean to you to win the D3Football.com Coach of the Year Award? Oh, um, it's 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 an honor. Um, you know, it's it's I. It's not just a me award. You know, I we have a great staff, um, great great guys who are who are fun to be around. When you're a football coach, you spend so much time with with the other coaches more like I last week we left on Tuesday I didn't see my kids from Tuesday until you know after the game on Friday night and but the whole time I was you know with, with the coach you know you got to have a great staff and got to have great people that that are fun to be around that are good that are good guys that you know um 
And so it means a lot for me to get to get the award and my name's on the award. But I, I definitely yeah, I know that it's a, it's a, that it's a staff award, but it's, it's great to get recognition from people who know our game. Um, the, the guys at D3football.com, they're they eat, sleep and breathe Division three football. And some, you know, so it's, it's an honor to be to be recognized. I think, you know, our, our staff works extremely hard and just like our players do. So it's 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 a cool honor. And obviously you can't do it without Zach boys makes me look very smart sometimes too. So I also acknowledge <laughs> you got to have good players. Yeah. You know, random question, but we we all know who Tommy DeVito is, right? Who started who started <laughs> the hand gesture first? Is it is it Joe Iadeveo or is it Tommy DeVito? Uh, <laughs> I probably Tommy DeVito, but but Joey I, yeah, he um he's a character, great kid. Um he and Zach started doing that. I saw that. And they started doing that in practice and stuff like that. Probably a month, like it was a while ago, uh, maybe even before before Devito started for the Giants. I didn't, I don't know if, if the Devito used to do that when he was at Syracuse. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't think so. Sure. Yeah, I don't think so. That's a yeah, new thing. it was funny. And like at the game, you see the one touchdown, and then the whole offense is doing. Yeah, that. I noticed that. <laughs> you know, uh, is doing the hand gesture, and uh, and then Joe comes over to the to the sideline. And I turn around and he's got it. And because all of our players that aren't dressed were in this front row, front rows of the stands. And so he's he's doing the <laughs> doing the gesture to them and they're all doing it back. And then the crowd behind them, just like parents and everyone else, or he had like the whole crowd, like the Pied Piper, uh <laughs> doing his little celebration, which was I just had to chuckle. And you know, in the middle of a tense game, it was good to get a laugh and seeing the kids have fun like that. Yeah, I caught it after that. First, I think it was after his first touchdown. I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, I yeah. wonder. And that, that's when I popped, popped into my head. I was like, "Hmm, wonder if he's been doing that all season or not." Yeah, I think it's his. It's it's an ode to his Italian American heritage. I think exactly. So, yeah, coach. Let's talk about your career a little bit here. Uh, you spent nine seasons at SUNY Morrisville before you mm-hmm. went to Cortland. What led you to go to Cortland? Cortland, when when the when Coach McNeil uh, retired, Dan McNeil, our previous head coach at Cortland. I mean, I, I remember I sent the minute I heard that news. I sent an email to Mike Ertz, our athletic director, like that morning. And I was, I was about to head out on the road recruiting. And I sent an email to Mike and just let him know that I was, I was interested. Now, I had been an admirer of Cortland, you know, as a competitor when I was at St. John Fisher. And then I, I was at Utica as the offensive coordinator at Utica University and then uh, became the head coach at Morrisville. And, you know, we were in the same league that Cortland was in. Just, I just, you look at not just the football part of SUNY Cortland, but just the athletic department in general, it just seemed like athletics was very important to the institution. Like, and, 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 I, and then once I got the chance to interview and go through the process and, you know, see the campus, it's just a special place for athletes. Um, it's a very athletic minded school. You know, mm-hmm. some would say we're a jock school. I, I just think it's, <laughs> it's fun, you know, and you walk, there's not many D3 schools, when you walk in the dining hall and you just see like random kind of normals, non, non, non-athlete students, just, just, you know, regular students who attend, who attend school that wear football gear, they have Cortica jug branded gear on, you know, um, whatever it is, you don't see that, you know, you, you, you guys went to a Swigo. I don't know if you, you walk through the dining hall and see, you know, just a non-athlete wearing athletic gear and repping the athletic teams. Um, I know where I went at St. John Fisher, it was it wasn't like that unless it was like a girlfriend of a player or whatever it was it was just you know so i just wanted to be here because i just felt like they they treat athletics um they do athletics in a very first class way 
And Mike Ertz, our athletic director, is uh, he wants to make sure we have everything that we need to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a great place to coach. And you look at our athletic department; it's not just football that has success. And I think this this fall, every single one of our fall sports won our conference championship, and we're playing in the NCAA tournament. So you know, across, across the entire department, you know. Fall sports, winter sports, spring sports, our baseball team, lacrosse teams are it's just a great athletic department. It's a fun, it's a fun, fun place to be a coach and a student athlete. The football team actually that was the 26th national championship in in SUNY Cortland history. I don't know that any SUNYs can really say that uh they they've taken home 26 national championships. So they they definitely uh, take athletics very seriously uh, at, at SUNY Cortland, no doubt. Yeah, it's definitely attractive. And it's attractive to recruits too. We sell that, you know, mm-hmm. not just the success of football, but all sports. I think that that says a lot to families, uh, prospective student athletes and their families about what mm-hmm. type of culture um, we have within athletics at Cortland. What, how big of a role did you play in having the Cortica Jug being held in places like Yankee Stadium and MetLife Stadium? downstate um the MetLife game uh I wasn't here for that that was coach okay. Mack's last game as that oh coach. okay yep and then he retired after that um the Yankee Stadium game um I didn't have a ton a real role in it um other than just kind of asking if if I would be open to it which obviously I was uh, but it was really I the way I understand it the MetLife game was so successful it was the highest attended division three game of all time 45,000 fans and change um, that the, the New York Yankees, um, were the kind of the ones that approached, approached the leadership about it because it was, it was a proven concept at that point. This is just the way I understand it. I may be wrong on some, mm-hmm. some facts, but, um, yeah. And then, and then I think, you know, the fact that we were in, um, just coming out of COVID and everyone missed that year. And I think it was just trying to get some momentum back for the, for the, for the rivalry game and just athletics in general, um, so yeah, it came together really quickly, honestly, and and uh, I was all for it. And and it was a, uh, it was an unbelievable experience playing the Yankee Stadium. For, um, I can't speak to the MetLife game, but okay. Yankee Stadium was awesome. And the New York Yankees were. Uh, I see you know, you're wearing a Mets hat, so I'm sorry if I'm speaking uh, speaking <laughs> out of turn here, but it's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Yankees were awesome in the process. You know, they're uh, John Mosley, who works, who is the head of football development for the Yankees. They have a whole. They bring a lot of games to Yankee Stadium. He actually called me this morning uh, to congratulate congratulate me on the national title. So they, you know, they they they. It's a very personable approach with the Yankees, and I, I would be very excited to go back there and take the game back there in a few years if that's what you know. That, those decisions are above my head, but mm-hmm. um, if that's what everyone wants to do, I think it would be great. Uh, so you mentioned you you uh, went to St. John Fisher for for college. What made that the top choice for you? Um, it was. I just liked the I, I was I was down to to Fisher, um, Brockport. It was my SUNY SUNY school option, and then Hamilton College, uh, which I got into. Um, which you know, my parents thought I was crazy for not wanting to go to an SCAC school when I got when I got accepted into it. But um, Fisher, I just loved the coaching staff there, and they were a young football program at that time, and and weren't very good. Um, but I just love the coach that recruited me, Buddy Sims. He's a he was a you know big old uh, line coach, and just the way he talked, he had a southern drawl. And I just felt like 
I just felt that that was the best was the best spot for me. Um, mm-hmm. And they they had a young a young defensive coordinator who had brought a lot of energy to the program uh, named Blaze Fagiano, who's now the head coach at Utica University, and he's the one who brought me to Utica to be the offensive coordinator years later when I got into coaching. I just felt right at Fisher. And then um, we were the class that kind of built. So my freshman class at Fisher um, was the one that four years later, we went from the doormat of the Empire Eight Conference and Northeast football to uh, being ranked in the top 10 and Mm -hmm. um, conference champs and NCAA tournament. So I, I was the quarterback of the team at Fisher that, that first won the conference championship and played in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, it was, uh, we take a lot of pride in my, my, my teammates and I about, you know, being the the class to go through, through the Fisher program and, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of set, set the stage and, you know, bring the program to prominence. Sure. And you grew, you grew up in Fulton. So just yeah, a yeah. stone's throw from the SUNY Oswego campus, mm-hmm. uh, graduated from G Ray Bodley high school, uh, how did playing football there help shape your career as a successful coach? F- football. Um, I've always loved, I've always loved football. Um, uh, from the time I was a little kid playing in pop Warner and I was always the quarterback. Um, and I just like, I love the, the, just like the chess match of football. Um, mm. and I didn't probably didn't know I was destined to be a coach, but I think, my parents like I was like a coach on the field as a kid and going up through through Pop Warner and and in through I just loved I loved the 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 cerebral part of football. Um, you know I was probably better at other sports. I played three. I played football, basketball, baseball, and was probably better at other sports. But football, you know, was because I I wasn't always the fastest guy. I was, but I could play quarterback and I could help make the people around me better. Mm-hmm. and distribute the ball and all that stuff. And, and I just was, gra- I just gravitated towards it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, playing at Fulton, I, it was, um, and my high school coach, Mike Connors is on my staff now at Cortland. That's his like retirement gig, which is cool. Kind of brings it full <laughs> circle for, for me. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was, you know, the discipline of it, the, the, the process of it, like I'm, I'm a very process oriented person. So, you know, football is very, very routine, very kind of ritualistic, you know, off season training and, you know, in through summer workouts and you got to work on all these different skills from all the different positional groups and then blend them together at one time, you know, and be able to work as 11, 11 guys working as one. And that just drew me, drew, drew me to football. And, you know, I, I'd say once I got into college and playing college football uh, at Fisher and then you know, I was a backup quarterback for a while and grew into a starting a starting starting role at there at the end, uh, winning a conference championship and just seeing my college coaches mm-hmm. and like, you know, you can do this for a living. You don't have to teach. You can just coach football for and that's your job like that. That was um, that was great. I, I didn't I graduated. I was a, I graduated with a degree in business and I worked um, I worked for HSBC Bank um, as a financial advisor for a year Um you guys remember HSBC, you know, my players, when I say that they, they don't know HSBC anymore, you know, so, but I'm, I remember yeah. Marine Midland. I mean, Marine Midland. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I worked for HSBC for a year and, um, and just hated it. I, Ugh. you know, hated it. I was drawing football plays on my, at my desk every day. <laughs> despised it. So after a year I, I quit. And I uh, got a job back at Fisher. Um, they had an opening, like an entry level, you know, making basically no money, like a GA type spot. 
Mm-hmm. And I just said, I'm just going to try to do what makes me happy and went, got, went into it and fell in love with it and been working at it ever since. Well, uh, Coach, we just have a couple more questions. Um, sure. So you you mentioned uh, your assistant coach, Mike Connors, who was your head coach when you played quarterback at Fulton High School or G. Ray Bodley. Um, he was also a longtime wrestling coach at G. Ray Bodley, even an assistant wrestling coach at SUNY Oswego as well. He was also, I believe, athletic director at Oswego High School. So yep. uh, what does it mean to, to have your former head coach uh, on the sideline with you as you went on to win a national championship. It, it it's it, it's special. It really is. Yeah. Um it's 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 cool. You know, I hear him coach the players and you know, I think one, I think he has fun uh because he can just coach football. He doesn't have to worry about some of the stuff as a some of the stuff as a head coach isn't very much fun to do, you know, but uh some of the paperwork and all the other stuff. He he has fun. So I, I like I like it that he likes it. You know, like I, I love just seeing him coach and him enjoy it. I think, you know, in some small way, that's, you know, me giving back and saying thanks to him um, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, him making football enjoyable for me, but it's just cool. It's, um, you know, I hear some of the, some of the one liners that he gives to, uh, they gives to the players and I just chuckle, you know, that I, <laughs> to, to hear some of the stuff he says, but it's, it's, it's very re- rewarding uh rewarding and 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 he's he's a good coach too so you know mm-hmm. it's not just a you know just a sentimental thing like I he really helps our team and and helps our players um and he, he coaches our uh works with our defensive tackles defensive linemen and does a great job so mm-hmm. you know there's it's 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 cool to have him around it's fun to have him around for me but it's also good for our program because I think he he makes us better and in yet another full circle moment the uh G. Ray Bodley High School recently changed their mascot to the Red Dragons. I saw that. So, <laughs> I did so, not have any, I'll, I will say publicly on this podcast, I did not have any sway over the voting or anything. <laughs> Nothing. Stuffed the ballot box? <laughs> Does Coach Connors ever, co- like, is he like a father figure to you to a certain extent? Does he ever come to you and like, be like, that's not how we used to do it when we were when, when when I was your when I was your coach type thing. Uh no, he he does not. He does not. Uh, he knows that like you know college football and high school football are totally are, are totally different animals. He does give advice. He does, and I and I, I take it often. Um, but he he does give advice. But he but he knows, you know, he does it in the right way too. He knows that you know that I've been doing this long enough to kind of know know what I'm doing. But he's uh, I'm glad he's around too because he. He's not afraid. Like some of the other guys, sometimes you know, sometimes assistant coaches are afraid to say to give mm-hmm. their opinion to the head coach. He's not afraid to give his opinion <laughs> to give his opinion to me. So I I appreciate that because sometimes you know he might say something that someone else wouldn't have, and um, if it adds value or it makes me rethink something, then it's probably probably worth saying. So he does he does bring some uh, you know and say. And he, the other guys kind of bust his chops sometimes too, because he, you know, they know that you know, he'll say it even, even when they can see that I'm kind of pissed, pissed off. About something. <laughs> he'll, he'll still interject and they'll bust his chops about that. But uh, yeah, overall it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great thing. And um, I hope he wants to come back again next year. So he's not too old. He, he's not too old. We're retiring where he's going to stop doing, you know, being fully retired. He needs to. He needs to keep so obviously Right. We discussed that you grew up in Fulton. You have you have a couple of Fulton guys on your team. Um, and obviously we we all know that Oswego doesn't have a football team. Do you recruit 
up in that area um whenever possible like do you you know do you ever like really look up there in in the Oswego Fulton area uh, yeah. or in surrounding just see if yep. you know if here are some good players I'm sure you have some spies up there and from yeah. your old days <laughs> I have a lot I have a lot of guys planted that can tell me who's uh who who can play yeah we I do recruit up there um and we have a freshman on our team this year, Sam Cotton, who's a Fulton, uh, Fulton kid, G. Ray Bodley. Um, I've known Sam, you know, we're like family through marriage almost. His his family and my family are connected, connected through marriage. Um, and uh I've known him since he was a kid, since he was a kid. I remember him doing backflips off my parents' diving board when he was two years old, you know. So I knew he was athletic since way back, <laughs> since way back in the day. So we recruited him and he he's a safety for us and started as a true freshman and he got injured um, in our game against Brockport, our ninth game of the season. Um, so he, he missed the Cortica jug game and the playoff run. Uh, but he, he was the, he was the empire eight uh, rookie of the year. So they all across the entire conference rookie of the year. Um, and he's, he's just, he's a, he's a great kid, very great, great student and one heck of a football player. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, we're, I, I love having Fulton guys around, you know, that I know the kind of value I knew what kind of values he had at, you know, the way he grew up and the way he was, the way he was raised. And so, uh, and I knew he was a stud athlete too. That doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> hurt, but yeah, we do, we do have a few Fulton guys and I do recruit in Oswego County. We, we had, uh, we were on a, a, an Oswego kid too, you know, Oswego high school doesn't have a super strong program, but there's some athletic kids in, in the city. So in the city of Oswego. So yeah, we, we recruit up there, Central Square to um Mexico. Had a kid we recruited a couple of years ago. Yeah. You have a few guys from um Kevin and I's hometown of Staten Island, too. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. There's definitely some athletes in Staten Island. That that I know for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Coach, now that the the season has has wrapped up, what was your message to the team as as they gathered maybe for that? that one final time before, you know, calling it a season. Yeah, it was, um, it's, 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 it's kind of a, a unique end to a season, obviously. Um, typically I was talking about this today with my assistant coaches in the office. Like typically when a season ends, you know, you, you end on a loss or you end on a win, but don't make the postseason and you, um, you know, schedule a team meeting, you know, a couple of days later and you kind of wrap things up team meeting, rah, rah, and go. Well, we, we played so long that like our semester was over. Finals had already ended. Um, guys were doing finals in the hotel last week, getting ready for the Stag Bowl, finishing up. So I knew that when we got home, like team, or this this team, we call ourselves Team 118, the 118th team in the history of Cortland football, we were never going to be in the same room again. You know, guys were going to be gone home for Christmas break and all that stuff. So we had a moment in the locker room uh it's something I'll never forget and I hope our players don't forget it either we had a moment in the locker room down in Salem we had finished celebrating and everyone was off the field and I go in the locker room and what took forever we went to media you know we did Zach and I and Cole Burgess and Jaden Martinez we were all in the, doing we were gone for like 45 minutes to do press conference we come back and everyone and I walk in the locker room and every single player is still in the locker room not one player had gotten on the bus Every player was in the locker room, including the players that just showed up the day of the game that weren't dressing for the game. Every player was there and the, the captains were talking and they were hooting and hollering. And I walk in and they, they, you know, and they were, and I addressed the team and just let them know how proud I was of, of them. And then 
you know, there was a realization of everybody that like, this is going to be it. Like we'll all be together at our banquet in a couple months when we celebrate, mm -hmm. celebrate the season. But this was going to be the last time that we were all, all in the room together. So, you know, we just made sure we got one last team breakdown. You know, we have a special breakdown that we do and acknowledge that it was going to be the last time we did it. And it was like the kids, you could see there, you know, it, it was, it was a cool moment because we had just accomplished like that. We were at the pinnacle of division three football. And then, but it's not, that team is never going to be, you, you're never going to be able to recreate that exact same feel. You mm -hmm. might win another national title years down the road, maybe next year, but it'll never be the exact same group of guys. And it was that chemistry of those guys that helped make this team so good. And so it was kind of a bittersweet moment to, to break it all down, but we did. And then, you know, all hell broke loose in the hotel, I think <laughs> later at, later at night, but it was, um, and that that was our that was our team moment, kind of the last thing, and you know we got to figure out a different way to get them the information for next semester because we didn't have the typical meeting meet, meeting schedule we'd normally have, but it's all obviously for a great reason. It's awesome. Well, Coach, uh, again, thank you so much for for taking the time to to speak with us, and congratulations again on on taking home that national championship. I thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully, I you know did a good enough job to uh, fill fill your podcasts. <laughs> um, we appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, anything I can do to help in the future. Um, hopefully we can talk about another national title at some point down the That's road. Right. So, this time this year. Look, we don't have a football team, obviously, right? Like I said, and so we're, we're happy to root for Cortland. The only team I won't root for is Plattsburgh. That's the only <laughs> team I won't go. root for. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Swigo, Swigo men's basketball, though, you guys got to gotta be talking about them a ton. They, Coach Leon yeah. does, does an outstanding job, yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been talking to Coach Leon a uh, bunch. Mm -hmm. Yep, he's a he's he's a good one. He does a they got a good uh, Jeremiah Sparks, outstanding football player too. I tried to recruit him out of high school as a as a football player. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he was in All Central New York. He's a very good, very good football player. Interesting. It's yeah. a small world. <laughs> it's all connected somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Coach, thanks again, and we will we will keep in touch. And once again, congratulations. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. And that was Kurt Fitzpatrick, the head coach of the national champion SUNY Cortland football team. What a spectacular run uh, by the Red Dragons! Their first Stag Bowl appearance, and they really, they they really sealed the deal. They uh, and on their way there, right, their last four games of the postseason, they beat undefeated teams each and every time. <laughs> Uh, yeah. On the way to the national title, I did write a little bit about that in our most recent blog, which you can check out on our website, throwingbagels.com. But still, just a tremendous season. And like Coach Fitzpatrick said, this is one in a million. Like, you'll never see a team like this again. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We are our, our thing in Oswego is hockey, right? We won We won that one, that one championship, and we've been chasing another one since. Um, but we, we, you know, we, we live off that one championship, right? So, you know, Hey, they may be able to do it again. Who knows? You never know. Uh, anything's possible, right? They, like what they said, but they have a, they have a strong, strong core coming back to that team. But, you know, football is, is a game of, you never know what's going to happen, you know, unfortunately, because there's injuries, there's so mm -hmm. many things that, so many things that can happen in a season that, that can, you know, derail your championship hopes. Right. Yeah. It's an absolute tightrope walk every time. When Oswego State won the national hockey title in 2007, they ran through, they won the national title game in overtime 
And I think right. at least one or two other games in the postseason were decided in overtime as well. So one bounce doesn't exactly. go your way and you're not national champions. So that's pretty much the same with any sport. But you know what? They can't take this one away. Nope. They exactly. can't take it away. That's the sweetest thing. That's the uh, sweetest part of it. Absolutely. Right. And like I said, I'm happy to root for them. We don't have a football team, so it's not like we have to worry about playing them ever, right? So <laughs> happy to root for them. You know, I just won't root for Plattsburgh. That's so are, are we making this official? So we are adopting SUNY Cortland as our football team on the Throwing well, Babies I mean, podcast? And- yeah, I think we, so we've had, you know, uh, Cortland alum, Alex Bruce yes. on, on the podcast right. a couple of times. So uh, I think we've adopted Cortland as our second favorite Okay. Yeah, but I mean, we're not going to obviously, you know, okay, hey, if, you know, they have a they have a pretty strong generally they've had a pretty strong baseball team, pretty strong uh, basketball program there as well. And um, soccer and, so- and, well, and soccer. Okay. I don't know soccer. much about their soccer, but um, I just remember I just remember when we were in school, they were they were very good in basketball and baseball. And, uh, you know, right now, obviously, Oswego is very good at basketball and they we've been very good in baseball the last few years as well. Mm-hmm. So I think both teams have been like on collision courses, especially in baseball. If I remember, if I've been, if I remember correctly, right. So, you know, I'm happy to root for them. Maybe not in hockey, but you know, we'll see. All right. I think that'll do it for this special edition of the throwing bagels podcast. Uh, you can check us out online. You can check out, uh, again, a blog about the national title, uh, game on our website, throwingbagels.com, And, uh, we will see you next week. Take care. Cheers. Bye.